Welcome back to this week's episode of The Emily Show. This week, we have a lot to talk about. My voice is still raspy from Spilling Tea Live in Nashville. It was a fantastic live event with hashtag no filter Zach, who has an amazing podcast and YouTube channel, and Up and Adam, who also has an amazing YouTube channel covering all of the things Bravo and Bravo Lebs. But today, we are moving out of the reality world, kind of because we're kind of still in it. No, the Kardashians are totally the reality world. We're moving just into trials this week. There is so much going on in court. The Rob Kardashian, Black China Kardashian at all trial is kicking off as I'm recording this on Monday, April 18th. Oh, I so hope that it is actually the 18th. I just double checked. Um, That is kicking off in jury selection today. That trial estimate is two weeks, and we are entering into week two of the Depp Heard trial. And those are four day trial days. So they are rolling Monday through Thursday, no trial on Friday, Fridays for motions and other cases, et cetera. So we are moving into week two of six in the Depp Heard trial. So that's what we're going to talk about today. A quick case brief on what's going on in the Black China Kardashian trial. I was going through the exhibit list. There's like 600 items on the exhibit list. I'm like, y'all are giving a two-week estimate. That's uh, that's ambitious with that super long exhibit list. It doesn't mean they will use them all, but it is ambitious. And then we've, of course, got the Depp Heard trial getting into week two today with a lot of deposition testimony. And we'll talk about those video depositions, how they come in, and why they're kind of tough in a civil case. Because if they put you to sleep at home, they're definitely going to put the jury to sleep sitting in that courtroom. So... We're going to talk a little bit about that too. Lots happened in week one of the Depp Heard trial, and I'm sure lots will happen this week. But with the podcast, it's always hard to record and edit contemporaneously. So if you would like to catch it as I'm doing it live, then you have to find me on social media and on the YouTubes at the Emily D. Baker. And with that, we should get into it. Things will be timestamped below. I'm going to do a quick summary of what's going on in the Kardashian trial with Rob Kardashian and all of his sisters in Black China first and then into the roundup from week one of the Depp Heard trial with some explosive. There were some moments. There were some very unexpected moments, which is a surprise in a civil case. And I will tell you why that's surprising after we roll the intro, which is what we're going to do right now. Hey there. Welcome to The Emily Show. I'm your host, Emily D. Baker, badass lawyer and everyone's favorite legal commentator, breaking down the legal shit in the news and pop culture stories you want to talk about. I've been a licensed attorney for over 15 years. I'm a former prosecutor, and I'm a big fan of the cursey words. So let's break it down. I want to take a minute to remind you that it's the beginning of the month, and that means we have a members-only live stream coming up for all of you in the Law Nerd community. If you have not joined our Law Nerd community yet, now is a perfect time to do so. LawNerdsUnite.com will get you to our Law Nerd community on Patreon, and you can choose what level of membership you would like to not just support me and support the show, allow me to talk about topics that are not always the YouTube friendly, and to get behind the scenes and additional content and behind the scenes conversations with other law nerds on the topics that are happening. It's where I put up the members only I have thoughts podcast, breaking down the things I have thoughts about. Sometimes it's behind the scenes. Sometimes it's a deeper dive into the topics we're covering, not just the law, but also uh, my thoughts, my feelings, confusion, pondering, 
all the things. And we have monthly members only live streams, which is a great way not just to interact with the Law Nerd community, but to interact with me as well, because those live streams have just the members on them. And we really get to dive into topics. There are more DA story times there and a lot of fun. So if you've been considering it, come on over and join the Law Nerd community right now at lawnerdsunite.com. Memberships start at just $3 a month. I would love to have you. And don't forget to say that the podcast sent you. Let's get back to today's show. So we're starting with the Black China Rob Kardashian trial that is kicking off with jury selection on Monday, April 18th in Los Angeles County Superior Court over at good old Stanley Mosque. And if you follow pop culture and the law, you'll be familiar with Stanley Mosque as being the courthouse where the Britney Spears case has been heard because there is a probate and family law floor. My office at Stanley Mosque used to be on the probate and family law floor of Stanley Moss Courthouse. And I worked there before they even opened the Starbucks that was out in the courtyard, which was like misery. Literally, when I when I would work super late, and by super late, I mean beyond midnight in downtown LA, there were times that I would have, there would be nothing left open except for one El Pollo Loco in downtown. The amount of chicken and tortillas I ate when I worked at Stanley Moss was substantial because it was literally all I had energy and time to go pick up because there was nowhere else to grab food. Emily, you could have packed food and brought it to work. That would require like planning. And I never wanted to admit I was going to be at work past midnight. I was always like, no, it'll be fine. I'll get home for dinner. Lies, lies. I didn't get home for dinner. So I have not been back to Stanley Moss, gosh, in years. One of these days, I will be back to cover one of these trials, and it will be very interesting. Though one of my judges has retired and the other one moved on to the federal bench. But you know, It'll be fun nonetheless. Let's talk about what's going on in this trial that's kicking off at Stanley Moss. Black China, professionally known as Black China, otherwise known as Angela White, her given name, is suing Rob Kardashian, the brother, the, the, the only male Kardashian child, Kris Jenner, momager extraordinaire, Kim Kardashian, Khloe Kardashian, Kourtney Kardashian, Kendall Jenner, and Kylie Jenner. Kendall and Kourtney have been yeeted out of this case on motions early on. This complaint was filed October 17th, 2017. Uh Uh-huh, 2017. The causes of action have grown to 15 causes of action from the original complaint, the first amended complaint, and the second amended complaint. The Causes of action that are being sued for in this civil case are assault, battery, distribution of private materials, which is the revenge porn of it all in this trial, domestic violence, harassment, intrusion into private affairs, false light, disclosure of private facts, defamation, libel, interference with contractual relations, interference with prospective economic relations as to Kris Jenner and Kim Kardashian, Interference with prospective economic advantage against Rob Kardashian only, breach of contract, intentional infliction of emotional distress, and unfair business practices. The real heart of this case is the allegations, one, that Rob Kardashian distributed private photographs 
naked photographs in the category of revenge porn of Black China when they were going through a breakup, that those photos had been sent by her to him with an expectation that they would stay between the two of them. Rob Kardashian is saying there's no expectation of privacy in those photographs and that, you know, it was just cool to go ahead and uh, share those to all of his followers on Instagram and Snapchat. He was yeeted off of Instagram for that at the time. I believe he's back on Instagram now, but it's going to be interesting to see how this works in the civil context. Normally, you end up with the revenge releasing of naked photos or videos and private matters in a criminal context. This is playing out in a civil context. There's also the allegation, essentially, that uh, Black China and Rob Kardashian's TV show, Robin China, was uh, killed by the Kardashian family, by Kim Kardashian, Kris Jenner, and Kylie Jenner, that they were picked up for season two of Robin China and that the Kardashian women killed season two of Robin China that Black China says was a popular show at the time. Others are saying, well, actually it was the breakup and the flame out breakup of Robin China that ended with season two, not ever being filmed and aired, even though it was picked up. The exhibit list has a tremendous amount of unaired footage from season one and also footage that did air from Robin China and footage that aired from keeping up with the Kardashian, along with a ton of emails and text messages. They've also subpoenaed records from OnlyFans. I didn't realize Black China had an OnlyFans. I don't know if that will come in to kind of, unless she sold those photos um, in close in time to when this all happened to say, look, these were already made available into the public. So these aren't private photos, but all of her earnings from OnlyFans had been subpoenaed. It's quite a lot of documentary evidence, a lot of emails, but I do expect that we will see live testimony from Ryan Seacrest, who was a producer, from Kris Jenner, from Kris Jenner's uh, boyfriend, Corey, from Kim Kardashian, Khloe Kardashian, who's subpoenaed in this quite a bit, or who has um, parts in the evidence list, the uh, document list, quite a bit. And from Kylie Jenner, it is alleged really that kind of the Kylie show replaced the Rob and China show on E's network. And then there's some news articles in that exhibit list of Kylie Jenner show being a disappointment and the Rob and China show being great. There's lots of news articles. And by news articles, I mean things from E, TMZ, Daily Mail, you know, all of the kind of pop culture-y gossipy news articles and lots of those listed in the exhibit list as well, plus lots of emails back and forth to heads at the network. So that's really the heart of this trial. Again, kicking off with jury selection. I imagine jury selection in LA when you have Kris Jenner, Courtney or Khloe Kardashian, Kim Kardashian, Kylie Jenner, Rob Kardashian, and Black China all sitting in a courtroom is going to be very strange. I I'm very interested to see how the civil revenge porn part of this trial goes and how the interference with contractual relations part of this trial goes. Those are the two factors that I am the most interested in because I really want to see if this was interference or if this was the network scrambling saying, okay, they've broken up. They're not going to film together. This isn't going to work. How do we scramble and fix it? And the Kardashian saying, this is how we fix it. And this is what, this is what we'll replace it with. Or did they say, you're not filming this. We will 
we'll, I don't know, pull our show. We'll, this is speculation on my part. We'll do this or we'll do that if you air it. Is it timing? Is it the breakup or is it the Kardashians actually blocking the show? And it'll be interesting to see how this jury parses that based on emails and what was said. And then again, live testimony. I haven't seen a ton of reporting on this trial. I'm just starting to see it pick up. I think we will see more as we get, you know, the Kardashians walking into court day after day. With that, the trial that's really overshadowing this is the Depp v. Heard defamation trial out of Virginia. And that's what we are going to talk about next. Have you started spring cleaning yet? Well, it might be time to wash the carpets, dust the drapes, mow the lawn, and Manscaped has all the products that you need to do all of the things for not just the hair down there, but body care and the nose hair as well. Join over 4 million individuals worldwide who trust Manscaped by going to manscaped.com to get 20% off and free shipping with our code LAWNERD. And this month, Manscaped is partnering with the Testicular Cancer Society to bring awareness of testicular cancer, men's health, and early cancer detection. Manscaped's committed to raising awareness for the most common form of cancer in men aged 15 to 35 and giving support for fighters, survivors, and families impacted by testicular cancer as a part of their We Shave Balls initiative. I love that they keep it a little cheeky while bringing awareness to something that affects so many men. So not only can you show care for the hair down there, but also raise awareness for the early detection of testicular cancer. So if you want 20% off the lawnmower, the crop preserver, the crop reviver, or the amazing foot powder that I love, like it's not all just, it's not all just for the hair down there. Manscaped has a ton of products. Go and check them out. Manscaped.com code LAWNERD for 20% off plus free shipping. Manscaped, thank you for sponsoring this week's episode. We should get right back into it. The Johnny Depp Amber Heard defamation trial that is going on in Virginia is definitely the trial that has kind of taken, well, at least all of my attention, I think collectively all of our attention. One, it is being streamed live day over day. So we are getting the ability to watch every moment of what's happening in court, what everybody's wearing, what the attorneys are saying. And week one is always interesting. Sometimes you get really strong witnesses right at the beginning. But opening statements are supposed to give you the roadmap of what you're going to see in this trial. And we got some of that. Some of it was more like a child scribbled on a paper and wouldn't stop than a roadmap. But that's that that happens. If you want to see my feelings about the second part of Amber Heard's team's opening statement, I streamed it live on YouTube and reacted to the wandering mess that was the second part of Amber Heard's team's opening statement. I also will be talking a little bit about what has shifted between week one and week two, because coming into court Monday morning, there have been some noticeable differences from both teams. And I thought that that was very interesting. So I'm going to talk about the opening statements, the key witnesses that we saw, and then some dramatic moments in court. We had a witness, Gina Deuters, who's a friend of the couple, but a friend mostly of Johnny Depp, uh, being removed 
from court in the middle of her testimony with all of her testimony being stricken. And then you have Amber Heard's current romantic partner and girlfriend, Eve Barlow, being ejected from court, yeeted permanently for the rest of the trial over shenanigans. So there has been a lot that happened in this trial. So opening statements, witnesses, and then kind of key and newsworthy moments from week one. I will be recapping each week so that if you are not watching, you know, gavel to gavel coverage of this trial, that you can get a summary of what happened and what is happening in this trial. If that is helpful, let me know. I'm trying to do it in a shorter format. These are like eight plus hour trial days. So I'm trying to condense that down so you get just the highlights. So by the time we get to a jury verdict, hopefully at the end of May, everyone's not going, well, why did the jury do that? We at least, if we follow along week by week, can understand what the jury has done and why. So with regard to the opening statements, you saw Amber Heard's team painting a theme that Johnny Depp is an obsessed ex-husband, hell-bent on revenge. Amber Heard's team really hammered in on that theme. And yes, their opening statement went second, but I'm talking about it first because I'm least complimentary of it. I thought Depp's opening statements were quite better. The first attorney that spoke for Heard, the uh, the male attorney, the lead attorney who's done, well, I don't know if he's the lead attorney. I think they're co-lead attorneys, him, the female attorney that did the second part of the opening, I found him to be very concise and to kind of give us that roadmap to really paint this picture of how they're going to portray Donnie, Johnny Depp. You're not going to see like the charismatic actor. This isn't the swashbuckling pirate. This is somebody who's abusive, who is manipulative and who is obsessed. And his abuse of Amber Heard is continuing to play out in this trial because he dragged her across the country to have this trial in Virginia. So they really painted that picture of Johnny Depp being um, obsessive, hell-bent on revenge, and still using this trial to fuck with Amber Heard. The second attorney, I couldn't follow the theme. I couldn't follow the story. There were moments in her opening that very much didn't land well with me. I wasn't like, oh, that's interesting. Where in the first part of the opening, there were some moments where I really was like, oh, that's an interesting way that they're seeing it. That's an interesting way that they're painting this. And that the biggest moment in there was that Heard's first attorney was very much arguing that this is uh, speech protected by the First Amendment, which is going to play into their anti-slap defense because it's different than in California where you can use that anti-slap motion to shut down litigation before discovery. Here it's a defense that the jury will get to consider. But you saw him kind of changing what the consideration is, or at least shifting, I don't want to say shifting the goalposts, but kind of shifting the perspective of what is the truth in Amber Heard's statement, saying more than once in the opening that this is about whether Amber Heard reported that she had been in an abusive relationship so that when she wrote the op-ed for the Washington Post, the statements in the op-ed were true. And the statements in the op-ed don't leave this defamation by implication that Johnny Depp has to prove as the plaintiff that is suing Amber Heard. If you want a deeper dive into the meaning of 
what was said and the defamation and what the statements are. I did a case brief on this in last week's episode that's up on YouTube and um, everywhere you find the podcast, The Emily Show. So you can go find that breakdown. This is just a breakdown of what happened in the week, first week of trial, week one. So you really saw that shift of the op-ed's true because if it's true, it's not defamatory. The op-ed's true because she did in fact make a report about this and she did go to court and get a restraining order. These are facts that happened. So whether she was abused or not is not really the question here. It's whether she reported it because in her op-ed, she talks about speaking up. So if speaking up is reporting it, she talked about speaking up and what happened after it, which is, I think, for her team, a very solid strategy and a very good argument. I worry that her second lawyer is so unlikable that she's going to undo a lot of that uh, legwork. And we will see what happens in closing because if they have that attorney, the second attorney, um, the female attorney or the lead female attorney from Heard's team do the closing, she is going to lose the jury like she did in opening. Her opening was aggressive and wandering, and it didn't have much of a point. It was very hard to connect to. I felt like I was being yelled at for an hour, which is not something you want the jury to come across feeling. You want them to feel like they're being um, explained to, like you're telling them the story, like you're building the roadmap for them. You're going to see this, then you're going to see this. The evidence is going to show this. Here are the highlights. Here are the points of interest along the way. Pay attention to these points of interest because at the end of the trip, you're going to get here and I need you to find, you know, libel, not libel for, for my clients. So you want to paint that picture. The second attorney just yelled at them. It, and even though her voice wasn't super raised, her cadence, her choice of words felt like I was being scolded and I hated literally every moment of it. And if she does that again in closing, she is going to lose this jury. So she talked about Johnny Depp being a drug abuser and having a list of prescription medications a mile long and, you know, very big grand motions, very much the impression I was left with from her because I could not follow her storytelling at all because it felt like she was just like, oh, and then, and then, you know, um, you know, Johnny down the way was doing this. And then our friend, you know, so-and-so was doing this. Oh, and then so-and-so was there too. And it just felt like listening to someone trying to explain a story to you, but they started in the middle, they've had a couple drinks and you don't know who all the parties are that they're explaining. And you're like, what are you even talking about? All I took away from her part was that they're going to paint Johnny Depp as an abusive, drug abusing alcoholic with a laundry list of prescription medications. And because of those things, he shouldn't be believed, which is a message that very much turned me off to what she was saying. And I imagine a number of jurors will be turned off too, because was he uh, under the influence in all of these instances where he couldn't, you know, cognitively remember what was going on? Are they going to prove that? Do they have a doctor to say that? No, she was just casting kind of um, all of the all of the besmirch besmirching statements his direction. Now Depp's team did that as well, but they did it in a much more tailored and crafted way, where they talked about Amber Heard, and we're going to get into that in a minute. 
What came out during the first week and into the beginning of the second week of testimony, though, is that Amber Heard also had a private doctor. Amber Heard was also on a lot of prescription medications. Amber Heard was also being seen by doctors that tend to specialize in addiction. So it, I think with the opening being so, you know, finger pointing at Johnny Depp being like, he's doing all this, the early testimony coming out being like, well, yeah, but Amber Heard was too, doesn't jive with what they said well or doesn't drive well with what they said in opening statements. And I wonder if the jury's sitting on that going, that's really interesting, or if they're just so tuned out because video deposition testimony is painful to watch no matter what. Live witnesses are much more interesting than video depositions of people who don't even want to be there. In Depp's opening statements, his first attorney really laid the theme. They used very strong Hollywood imagery throughout this entire opening statement that Amber Heard is an actress playing the role of a lifetime in this court. She is seeking to recast herself as a victim when she was really the one who was the aggressor in this case. They went after Amber Heard's credibility. They talked about the fact that they would point out areas where she had not been truthful and that she was the aggressor. So she is not a victim of abuse. She is either a mutual combatant or the aggressor and the abuser. But again, I thought it was a much more tailored opening statement and I could follow their theme of the case that these statements were clearly about Johnny Depp. These statements couldn't have been about anyone else because the timing, and she said two years ago, I spoke up. It was very clear that she was going through a divorce from Depp two years prior to that op-ed being released. And then they talked about the damage this has done to Depp's reputation. The fact that no one has ever accused him of being violent in the past. And you're now seeing the parade of witnesses who are saying, we've never seen him be abusive. We've never seen him be aggressive. But in that parade of witnesses, you had their marital counselor. So let's get into the witnesses we saw in week one. Their marital counselor, Dr. Laurel, came in and spoke again, via video deposition, there would have been HIPAA waivers to allow their counselor to testify. Again, these video depositions are taken. These depositions can be taken over many, many hours and or days, and everything is asked at the deposition. Then if the deposition is going to be used at trial, the attorneys make their objections and parts of the deposition are cut out. So everything the jury sees are things they've already agreed to. The evidentiary objections have already been ruled on and they're only seeing what both sides have either agreed to let in or the court has let in through rulings. And that's how these video depositions are being played. This is much different in a civil case than a criminal case where you need live witnesses because the rights of the parties are different. So to allow them to bring their witnesses in, you are getting video depositions for a lot of witnesses. You're also going to get people testifying live, but be a video link instead of in-person in Virginia. In-person testimony is more powerful, but there's only so much you can do. So with that, the marital counselor said that they saw um, Depp and Heard for 21 sessions, that Amber was often the aggressor, and that Depp would try to leave. She also talked about both of them having abusive childhoods and that both of their kind of childhood trauma is triggered by the other. Depp would try to leave. Heard was afraid of abandonment and would rather fight than have him walk out. At one point, she actually said that Heard would strike Depp to keep him in an argument if he was going to leave, so that Heard would rather initiate a fight than have Depp walk out. 
Depp would rather walk out if things were getting physical or, or escalating in the fight and just walk away from it. So she stated, I think the biggest part or the biggest takeaway from her testimony for the jury will be that they both engaged in, quote, what I saw as mutual abuse. She didn't define the abuse being emotional or verbal or physical, but she talked about mutual abuse. Now, this doesn't go well for Depp, but this also doesn't go well for Heard. If it's mutual abuse, does the jury down the road see that, yes, in some points, Heard's the aggressor, but in some points, Heard is the victim? And if they see that, then are her statements that she has been the victim of abuse untrue. So this engaging in mutual abuse, I think we will see come up again in closing statements. They also, the therapist talked about the fact that Depp basically didn't speak much in the group sessions because Amber Heard had a jackhammer. That's what she said. Jackhammer style of talking would talk over him, would cut him off, would interrupt him. And that when he was in one-to-one therapy, that he was very open and communicative. But when they were together, that he was shut down and struggling to find his voice. She also said that there was no indication of uh, physical injury with the two, which is really the theme of a lot of Depp's early witnesses is that no one ever observed injury to Amber Heard, including their private doctor and personal nurses that are testifying on Monday the 18th. The next witness that I think was probably one of the favorite or the fan favorite, are they fan favorite? The internet favorite? Social media's favorite witness? I think that's what we're going with. Isaac Branch, Branch, B-A-R-U-N-C-H. I always want to say brunch, but Isaac's testimony was probably the most charismatic, um, the most interesting. He was emotional on the stand. He was funny. He is from Brooklyn. He called it like he saw it. And he was not having any of Amber Heard's attorney's shit, which was really fun to watch. Amber Heard's attorney kept asking him kind of ridiculous questions that she needed to ask. But you could see his face just kind of go, huh? Like, no, like what? Like, why are you asking me this ridiculous shit? He was very entertaining to watch. But she also got to the point that he was was one of Depp's longtime friends, but Depp also paid for him to live next door. Depp um, had given him over $100,000 in the time, the extensive period of time that they've been friends. But Isaac also saw Heard regularly because he lived next door to them upstairs in the penthouse of the building where they lived in Los Angeles. And that... He said he had seen Heard dressed up to go to events, full makeup, but also in no makeup, also in light makeup. He would greet her and kiss her on the cheek and didn't see any injuries to her, even when she tried to show him sometimes injuries. Like, I just see your face. Like, I don't see anything. And again, Heard has complained of some substantial injuries, including a broken nose and a split open lip. And he's saying, I've seen her in bright light after these things supposedly happened and never witnessed that. Now. During his testimony, Heard's attorney stepped in it a bit by asking if he was angry. In that line of questioning, I got the feeling that Isaac was annoyed with the way that the questions were being done. The, the attorney kept asking, do you know if she's putting on Amica cream? She meant Arnica cream. The entire fucking time she meant Arnica cream. She kept saying Amica cream, and I could not let it go. It was so distracting. Anyone in the jury that's ever used Arnica for anything has got to be like, oh, my God. And it just made this attorney seem out of touch a bit. It did not do her any favors in her questioning. I thought 
Isaac was annoyed with her line of questioning. That's how I was reading his testimony. But she asked if he was angry and if he blamed her. And he said, and I'm just going to read what he said, quote, it's six years. Am I angry anymore? What I am is tired. And I wanted to clap for this man. I'm like, that felt to me like one of the most honest statements of how people feel when these things go down. It's been six years. What I am is tired. He then went on to say, and I want this all to end. Her to go heal, him to go heal. Isaac, I am with you. I think that's all what anybody wants, but that's not what's going to happen. This is all going to get dragged through court, and then we'll see what happens from there after the jury renders a verdict. He goes on to say, so many people have been affected by this malicious lie that she started and she created. I'm not angry at anybody. I want the best for her, for her to take her responsibility, heal, and move on. And for Johnny, his family has been completely wrecked by all this stuff, and it's not fair. And he started to tear up. And he said, it's not right what she did and what happened for so many people to get affected by this. It's insane how this happened. This all came in because the defense attorney or Amber Heard's attorney did not craft her question well. She was trying to get at Isaac being malicious towards Amber Heard when she misread that he was annoyed with her questioning. And she asked, and it opened the door for him to say, she's a liar. She's malicious. And what she did hurt Depp and his family. It's the testimony that has stuck with me through watching the first week of trial. And I imagine that it's a testimony that will connect with the jury as well, because he came across as very likable and very honest. And I think that the defense attorney eliciting that is always more powerful than if Depp's attorneys had tried to elicit this statement. Of course, the defense would have objected immediately if they had if they had elicited this type of testimony, but there was nothing the defense attorney could do because she had to let him finish his answer. And she asked, she opened the door and Isaac came flying through like a wrecking ball um, saying that what she did isn't right. It's not fair. And that he's been wrecked. Remember Hurd's team is going to try to argue that depth had no damage, that he wrecked himself, that his, his drug and alcohol use is what hurt his career, not her statements, even though he lost roles in Pirates of the Caribbean uh, like days after her op-ed came out. So this also is going to go to damages. His family's been completely wrecked, is what Isaac said. Another friend that took the stand was Gina Deuters, who's a friend with Depp and Heard, and they, she and her husband have become couples friends. She was talking about um, being around when Depp had used drugs, not seeing his behavior change, not seeing his personality change, not seeing him get aggressive. So someone who can kind of lay the groundwork, because in this trial, you've got to accept that people have done drugs, people have used drugs, drugs have happened. Everybody's got to just get over being worried about drugs. Drugs have happened. Drugs have been done. Now it's, does it change Depp's personality? Has it made him aggressive? What impact does that have on him. And Gina Dorder's testimony was really, I've seen him do these things, but I've not seen it change him. Um, I've not seen him become aggressive. And that's good testimony for Depp. But then in the middle of her testimony, well, I don't even know if it was the middle. I don't know how much left they had to go. During her testimony, the attorneys approached the judge outside of the presence of the jury. Something was shown to the judge. And then the judge started questioning Gina Dorders about whether she had been watching any of this trial. She said she had seen clips 
on social media. Now, she didn't say, I watched clips. I heard clips with the judge said clips, including witness testimony. And she said, I've seen clips. And the judge is like, that's enough and excused her. And when the jury came back in, asked the jury to strike all of her testimony. She was, again, an in-person witness that was very likable. But what came out after that was that the information was brought to the attorney's attention, to Heard's attorney's attention, by Eve Barlow, Amber Heard's current romantic partner, and now been ejected from the court. So we know this from the transcripts of Barlow being removed from the court. Let's get into this transcript a little bit. This transcript indicates that the hearing date is from April 15th, that was Friday, that this happened at 10.03 in the morning, and which attorneys are present. The attorneys that are present, and I'm going to try to remember names of attorneys, but it's hard. Uh, Benjamin Chu is the head attorney for Depp's team, as it seems. Camille Vasquez is the female attorney who did the other part of opening. I quite liked her. They've also got Jessica Myers, who's questioned some witnesses, and Samuel Moniz, Mons, M-O-N-I-Z, Mons. From Ms. Hurd's team, you have Elaine Burdoff, and she's listed first, so I'm guessing that she is technically head counsel. And then Clarissa Pineto from one attorney firm. I don't see the male attorney listed on this particular transcript, probably because Elaine uh, Bredoff was the one that was doing the argument. She's the one who did the opening statement that I was not fond of. So page one of this transcript is... Depp's attorney, Mr. Chu, bringing to the attention of the court a matter that's very serious that he says it won't take much time and asked to approach the bench and says, Your Honor, we're moving, or Mr. Depp is moving, for the permanent exclusion of Eve Barlow. And the court says, Eve Barlow, who's Eve Barlow? Chu says Eve Barlow is a journalist and Heard's current girlfriend who's sitting in the front row. The court says, okay. And then Chu says, yesterday, the court ordered to the back row. And then she was later, as I will discuss in a minute, thrown out at 4.31 PM by the Lieutenant. But if I could explain to the court what the court is seeing, you will recall yesterday, Mr. Uh, Rottenborn came up with what was Miss Barlow's phone. So this Rottenborn, I think is the main male lead attorney for Heard, came up to the court with Barlow's phone. This is regarding the uh, ejection of Gina Deuters. Mr. Chu said, and he showed you the first document that you're looking at, the shorter version. The court said, right. Mr. Chu said the text. This is a text from Ms. Deuters, Gina Deuters. We're not, we understand that she was properly excluded, but this is what he showed your honor saying to the court, representing to the court that Ms. Deuters had texted since the start of this trial. He doesn't mean texted, he means Instagram, but we'll get there. And your honor will see that Mr. Rottenborn showed you what Mr. Rottenborn showed you did not have a date. If you look at the second document, you will see your honor. I'm sorry. It's an Instagram post. It's an Instagram post. Lawyers and technology do not go well. Just FYI. So the fact that he's like, it's a text, it's an Instagram post surprises me literally zero. It's an Instagram post. So Mr. Rottenborn and the court said, it's not like I would know the difference, but thank you for the clarification. Lawyers, look, if you want to go into law, understand tech. They need you. Mr. Chu said, I didn't give my age, but so Mr. Rotten showed you was he, I think, was trying to say, I'm not trying to give away my age. And they're all making jokes about being boomers, but that's fine. Um, 
he said what he showed you was Miss Joyter's Instagram post without a date. The second document you're looking at was her post, and it shows the date, which makes it very clear that this was January 8th, 2021. This is a material misrepresentation that Miss Joyter's posted this during the London trial. Mr. Chu said this was very disturbing. We believe it was fraud upon the court. We believe that Mr. Rottenborn, as an officer of the court, should have taken a look at what he was handing up to the court, especially since it was handed to him by someone improperly sitting in the first row, a reporter and Miss Heard's girlfriend. And that's not that's not where it ends, Your Honor, unfortunately. Miss Barlow has been passing notes to and from Miss Heard from the beginning of the trial, and she's been sending out live tweets throughout the trial. And the court said, is she still sending out tweets? Mr. Chu said she was as of 431 yesterday when she was removed by this court. He then says, if I might approach and I'll do it one more time. And this is because you don't just walk up to the bench to show the judge something. You have to ask before you cross the well from where you're standing at counsel table or at the podium. The court says, so she was tweeting from the courtroom. And Mr. Chu said she was tweeting in the courtroom. She was sitting right there tweeting during Ms. Vasquez's opening. Your Honor may remember that Ms. Vasquez said that Ms. Heard was giving the performance would be giving the performance of her lifetime. So she says in real time, actually, it was Vasquez who was giving the performance of a lifetime of her life. So she's tweeting out that the female attorney doing the second part of the DEP closing or DEP opening was um, was actually the one giving the performance of a lifetime. So this is contemporaneous with my colleague's opening. She's live tweeting and getting it all out to the public. And finally, this is the last time. I'm sorry, Your Honor. We'll remember that when we first raised the issue, Your Honor ordered people to the back. So Ms. Barlow reluctantly left the first seat and went to the back. And this tweet is the tweet that got her thrown out last time. Quote, what does Amber Heard hope to achieve? Question. She has a gorgeous one-year-old daughter, and she said she was beginning the rest of my life in 2021, 12 months after her mom died. Quote. And it was at that point that Lieutenant Porter saw her violating the court's order and asked her to leave. And again, this is being live streamed. If you want a live tweet, go sit outside, watch the feed and live tweet from there. You can't do it from inside the court because of the sanctity of the jury. They don't want photos of the jury leaking. They don't want people taking pictures of the jury. So the only people allowed to have technology in this courtroom are the attorneys and the parties, no one else. So you are allowed to keep it in your bag. But if you get your phone out or your computer out, you're yeeted. The thing is, the legal teams are so big, there are people sitting in the first row that are part of the legal team that are allowed to have their devices out. So the court said, if you violate the order, you violate the order. And Mr. Chu said, it's more than enough to get her thrown out permanently, but it also, it takes place in context. Your Honor will remember the inappropriate disclosure of the sexual assault violations in violation of the protective order, perhaps more, perhaps more egregiously because people weren't on um, participating on the WebEx in this one. Two days before the trial, Heard posted to Instagram about the opening. And then he talks about Heard posting about the opening statements on Instagram, which was a problem. He then goes on to talk about the court orders. And he says, the point is, Your Honor, the court orders must mean something. We're trying to play by the rules here. And it's outrageous what Ms. Barlow has done. She was thrown out yesterday. And all we're asking, a very limited form of relief, is that she be barred from attending the rest of the trial. And the court then asked Heard's attorney, read off. Thank you, Your Honor. I actually had absolutely no clue that he was going to raise this this morning. So I'm responding to it cold. First of all, Eve Barlow is not a journalist. Second of all, she's not Ms. Hurd's. And the court said, well, you know, I really don't care about all this. She's live tweeting. It's my courtroom. This is at 431. Ms. Bordoff said, I don't know about that, Your Honor. 
regarding the tweet. I don't know about that, Your Honor. And the court says, well, I do. I can read it. 431 on April 14th, 2022, looking at Twitter because it's timestamped. Ms. Bordoff said, I don't know. She, I know she, and the court said, the court just cut this attorney off and was like, no. The court said, and I know the deputies took her out because she was texting. That's against the court order. I don't let anybody. If I find anybody else texting, they don't get to come back in. So why would she be able to come back in? And then Birdhoff says, I, Bredhoff, I have no knowledge of this, Your Honor. Well, she got yeeted by the deputies. The court said, and I know you don't, and I understand that. And I mean, the uh, when people were passing notes, I thought, well, legal teams, that's why I gave you the first row because of legal teams. And then more information comes in in bits and pieces that it's not the legal team. And I said, okay, so move back. Heard's attorney then says, tries to say something and gets cut off again by the court. And the court says, but she's still texting. So, and Bernhoff said, let me just back up just a little bit. Miss Barlow was not here during the opening. So she was not present in the courtroom. And the court said, well, she was present when she did this live tweet in my courtroom. Bernhoff said, and that may be your honor. I have no knowledge of it. I have no knowledge of it. And the court says, well, Miss Barlow's not coming back into this courtroom. Here's what I will say about all of that is that this is a screenshot. And for those of you listening on the audio, I'm sorry, it's a screenshot of Depp's attorney giving his opening statement near the podium. And you can clearly see Eve Barlow sitting in the front row with the rest of the legal team in braids that are similar in style to what Amber Heard is wearing during her court day in a blue jacket. And there is lots of photographic evidence of her sitting there during the opening statement. So Heard's attorney said she wasn't even there during opening when she was. And then the, the, uh, Instagram in question that I screenshotted from Gina Deuter's Instagram clearly says January 8th, 2021. And it's talking about what happened in the UK case, but they represented that this was done during the pendency of the UK case in an inappropriate way. The thing is though, Gina Deuter's answered the court questions saying that she had seen clips and that is ultimately what's removing her. So even if this was misrepresented to the court or shown to the court without a date on it, which on Instagram mobile is easier to do than on Instagram on the uh, desktop, even if that's the case, it doesn't undo her getting removed because she admitted that she had seen clips. Whether Depp's team can ask to inquire for, further on that, I don't know if they will bother because they can use other witnesses to bring in the same type of testimony, other friends, and the court is already seemingly annoyed with Heard's attorneys. So for Depp's attorneys, it is more strategic to stay on the right side of the judge than to fight over Gina Deuters and to use another witness to get that testimony in in another way rather than piss off the court on this same issue further. And I think that's what we will see them do this week. So that is a roundup of what happened in week one. Some very interesting moments. It's really rare to see a witness get kicked out. But when they say you can't watch what's going on in trial, they mean it. It was very odd to see all the back and forth about Eve Barlow, who is a blue check mark over on Twitter, says she's a journalist, and then to have Amber Heard's attorney saying she's not a journalist, she's not her girl. Like, she's not this, she's not that. I think the internet disagrees. And the thing is, everyone's getting to see it play out real time because this trial is streaming and it will be streaming for another five weeks. So come follow me along on the YouTube with this. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being a honored. I can't wait to hear what you think of this 
trial so far. It is going to, I'm sure, have some very dry moments and some more explosive ones, especially we know Deb and Hurt are both going to take the stand and I am here for it. So with all of that, stay hydrated, mind your business. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being a honored. I will talk to you in the next one. But first, I hope that your Wi-Fi is strong, that your toilet paper is plentiful, that your gas isn't $6 a gallon, that your family is well, and that the odds are ever in your favor. I will see you in the next one.